Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Inside the Game, brought to you by Flex Coach and Flex Coach VR. This is segment five with Tom Chorsky. All right, let's transition now. You've retired. You moved back to Minnesota. You're now the GM uh, in the North American Hockey League for the St. Cloud Blizzard. We're the Norsemen now. Oh, you're the the Norsemen now? Okay. I'll have to make that change, the the Norsemen. What has that experience been like for you to now be on the other side? You know, you're in management. You're working with young people. What kind of players do you look for? What do you expect for them? You know, what advice do the parents seek out from you and the kids seek out from you, knowing your background? Well, I, you know, I wanted to get into the game and, and be, be part, of, uh, part of the hockey industry, and this was an opportunity to jump into it with uh, Corey Millen, who I played with uh, at the U of M. Um, he's the head coach. He's actually the head G he's the GM of on player personnel side of things. I'm more of like president, uh, and of operations, but I, I consult with these guys and I help out with, with some of the, the player personnel. Um, I love being around the, these young, you know, these young players and I have a daughter who plays, so I'm a, I'm a big, uh, girl hockey fan as well. Um, but you know, helping these kids, try and, and achieve their dream of, of getting to college hockey. You know, some will play D one, some will play D three. Um, but the North American hockey league that we play in the NAL is, is a great league. Uh, and this year it's even stronger because we had some, um, we had some teams that had to, uh, shutter for, for one year because of COVID, uh, the USHL had two teams that, uh, closed their doors. And so there's, it, it hasn't been enjoyable from that standpoint that there's been a lot of um, player movement and cuts and, and unexpected, uh, you know, I think hurdles for players. I've got a son who's on our, on our team now. He started the year in Fargo um, and, and got released. He was the last player released from Fargo. I think when they had to cut down to their roster, he's now joined us in St. Cloud. Um, You know, these players are dealing with, a lot of stress because they're having a hard time getting on the ice. We've had a lot of games canceled because of coronavirus, uh, either our opponents or, or internally on our team. Um, schools can't recruit right now, or they can't visit in person. Um, the, you know, the, the, the NCAA has granted um, players a, a, that extra year. The, the seniors get a fifth year, uh, which is going to create a log jam for recruited players coming in and, rosters staying full uh so it hasn't been you know all all sunshine and 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 roses um but that being said yeah you love being around the game you love uh watching these kids striving to to improve and develop and trying to fight through a a pretty tough system The, the junior hockey system has grown to the point where it's it's kind of darwinism darwinism you know, in the hockey world, it's survival of the fittest. It's, uh, it's, it's who can, you know, it's a, I guess it's a, it's a, it's a, it's just a battle for these kids and it's hard. Um, but again, when you love the game, you get knocked down and you just get up the next day and you go, I'm going back to the rink and I'm going to do it again. Um, so, you know, there's, there's things about it that, um, are not that glorious, not that much fun. Um, but, you're in the game. Uh, it's the greatest game in the world. 
and you're you're trying to you're you're trying to help these young men uh, reach their dreams. What's what are some things parents should look for in, in a program like you have? What are some things that what are some pitfalls that they should be alert? You know, everyone's like trying to sell, you know, the game and, and oh, come play for me. You'll definitely play. We'll get you into college. You know, what should right. parents be looking for? And, and what should the, the things that, you know, should stick out to you? Um, I think it's, you know, understanding what the uh, opportunity for your player is. You know, if he's a defenseman, what does that team have on defense? You know, if your son's a, is he a right shot, you know, right shot defensemen have a little bit of cachet if, if they can be on the power play, um, you know, where, how much opportunity is there? Because, you know, I think I've talked to a college coach and, and, and in some cases he'd argue that getting on the ice might be more important than good coaching. Now you don't want to have bad coaching or coaching that's going to be detrimental to a player's, you know, mental health, let's just say, but if all things being equal, you want to be able to get on the ice. You got to play. You can't sit on the bench. You can't be a fourth liner um, and expect to develop um, unless you're going to play, you know, two or three seasons, you know, where you're going to, you got a little bit longer window to, to, to work your way into the lineup. But so it's opportunity to be on the ice. You got to play, you got to be put into situations that um, your skill set is, you know, your strengths are, if you're a skill guy, you want to be able to get on the power play, right? You want to be able to play with good players and, and, and maximize that skill that you have. If you're a bigger, stronger kid that can skate really well, you know, we talked earlier about finding a role. It's about really knowing and understanding where you, where your bread's going to get buttered. You know, so many kids just think, Oh, I'm going to be a star. I'm going to snipe. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to score 30 goals or 50 goals or whatever. And, you know, coaches behind the, behind closed doors, will be like, the guy's got an identity problem. He, he thinks he's a goal scorer. And he's, you know, coming out of high school or he's coming out of U18. And, and if he really wants to go to the next level, um, the sooner they can sort of carve out an identity of, of who they are as a player um, probably might even help them because that's what programs are going to look for. They're, you know, if they can find a third line right winger, a third line left winger who really understands and wants and embraces that role instead of trying to find a guy that, you know, Oh, if we put him on the third line, he's going to gripe and moan because he wants to be a first liner and he doesn't understand. So programs, if they're, if we're talking about D one programs or D three programs, um, never, regardless, these coaches, they want to find players that are, are going to accept their role. And, and so combination of, I mean, you need good coaching. If you can get good coaching, obviously we all know that we've had coaches that can make or break our careers. And so coaching is certainly important, but you know, we, we run into, we see situations where players could have come and played for us, the Norsemen who last year were last in the league and didn't do well and, you know, had a bad reputation. And so players don't want to go there or their parents don't want them to go there or their advisor doesn't want them to go there. And so they go, we, we offer them an opportunity. This is back, you know, three, four months ago. Nope. I'm going to go to this team. And you're like, okay, but I don't know if you recognize this, but they don't have a spot for you except for on the fourth line or yeah, they're telling you wonderful things, but I got a funny feeling you're going to be calling us in three weeks or, you know, six weeks. And sure enough, they followed this, you know, up to this other 
you know, shiny object, grass is greener, and discovered the hard way that there really wasn't that much of an opportunity. Yeah, sure, any team is willing to um, give you a look. They're going to give you a chance on the, the you know, the, the, the long shot that maybe you are going to be something. And then they go, eh, we thought you were something better and you're not. And all of a sudden, you know, they could have come to our camp and had a better chance because we were rebuilding and we didn't have as many returning players and, and people don't see that and they don't know that. And sometimes we're trying to explain to their advisors, why are you doing that? Why are you sending your player into a, into a hornet's nest when they could be coming and playing for a team that is looking to build? Do you think the parents get sold a bill of goods? And they're just like, yo, okay, my son's going to be this. And instead of facing the reality of coming somewhere, having your son develop and having your son learn the game, learning what the process is behind it is what you're teaching. And a lot of parents just want to get their kid as fast as they possibly can to school. Yeah. And they want him to play in the USHL because it's the more premier league. Um, you know, they want him to go right to the top. And I always kind of, I always kind of, make the comparison is like, Oh, would you put your son in or daughter in, you know, AP calculus, if they weren't very good at math? No, you wouldn't. Why are you, you know, and this is maybe at the younger levels too. They, you know, they expect their kid to be on the double a team or the top team. And, and that's not really where they're going to flourish at age 15 or 16 or 17. You know, they should play at a level where they're going to have the puck and carry the puck and make plays and maybe get, you know, a decent amount of points and, and, and score some goals. Cause once, you know, there's long list of players that maybe played at a low level or they hadn't developed quite yet, but they scored a bunch of goals and guess what they learned how to do score goals. And they've always believed that they could score goals and then their skating gets better and their head gets better. And, and, and little by little, maybe they struggle for a couple of years, but guess what, when they, when they get a chance again, they know how to score goals and that's because they scored 80 goals in, in peewees or Bantams or U18 or whatever. Um, and instead of being over their head and scoring six goals, they didn't learn how to score goals. Right. So you don't want to ever be over your head and, and yeah, people will want their kid to go right to the top team, right to the top league, or even if they're going to be in the top league, then they want them on the top team in the top league. And you're like, you're not going to play there. It, 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 you're not going to get better there. You're going to sit on the bench and watch other guys play and you're going to cheer them on. Um, you know, have, I don't know if you have to be humble or, or just have some sensibility, but um, it's all about getting on the ice and playing in situations, not being on the best team and cheering on from the bench. Now your kids, let's go to, let's, let's switch to you now with your kids. You have three children. Your daughter is going to Harvard next year to play hockey when your kids were starting out in sports, what did you look for in an athletic program for them? I just think a healthy culture. Um, same thing with, you know, and Harvard hockey is, is, you know, is, is our daughter going into um, a culture because I learned that in New Jersey, it was all about culture. That's why we won was the culture that we built there. Um, and, and Harvard had that and, and she had opportunity to go to um, other programs and she thought long and hard about it, but um, I think she also likes the idea of being in Boston, likes the idea of, of being away and traveling, uh, you know, a bit in, in a different area than the Midwest. And so um, you just, I think you look at programs and see, um, are the, and I don't know if we're talking, you know, when they're younger too, 
again. I'm talking like when your kids are starting out, like what's starting out, like what some of the things parents should look for in a program for their child in any sport going across. I mean, what do you, did your kids play a a multitude of sports before they got, they concentrated on hockey? Yeah, they played, they all played soccer and, and tried football and tried lacrosse. And, um, our son played, ended up playing high school tennis as well as, as hockey. Um, again, it's culture. It's a coach that is going to, is going to play the players, um, not shorten the bench. Um, also not, you know, obviously not be screaming and yelling and, and being negative, uh, when they're younger. Um, I, and the culture includes everything. It includes what the expectation is of the parents around the team, you know, the, the parents of the other players, um, only typically, I remember one of our kids coaches and I've become friends with them. Um, but as peewees, he basically looked at the, the parents in the parent meeting, right. At, at, at the, when the team is made, he said, the only people that are going to screw this season up is you guys. And he was right. <laughs> um, you know, is the parents because we had the heck of a group of kids. Um, and, and, and it's a great thing to tell the parents and say, only you guys can screw this up. It's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be us, the coaches. It's not going to be these players. You guys got to stay out of it. So, um, you know, I think you got to look for, for coaches that are, are experienced, but they're all about the culture. They're all about developing players and they're not afraid to, um, you know, I think tell the parents, just let the process happen. Let us coach your kid. Don't try to, you know, mingle or, or I mean, um, you know, over-involve yourself in your son or daughter's playing time and development, just let it happen. And, and good things typically will happen. If, as long as you put them in the right environment and find the right coaches, then your kid doesn't even want you to be around anyway. So, yeah. What did you, when you were going through this recruitment process with your daughter, um, what were some of the questions you had asked the coaches and the school about your, your daughter's you know, time she's going to spend in school? I mean, we had Mike Sullivan on from the Pittsburgh Penguins. And he said, you know, a lot of kids, when they come to look at a school, look at the four years. And the question you should really be asking is, how are you going to prepare my child in four years for the next 40 years of their life? You know, from, from an academic standpoint, social standpoint, all the different components that make up the human being. Right, right. And, and you, you ask, you know, where do you, see my, where do you see my daughter fitting into your, you know, into your program um, as a player? You know, you, you always want to know kind of, you know, and they, they can't make any promises that you're, you know, you're going to be on the power play or you're going to be in the first line. But, um, you know, again, I think you ask or you tour around if, if and when you can, you can't right now. But and, and I've seen good cultures, I've seen bad cultures, and so I can recognize it. And so, you know, the questions and the observations start to be, you know, more about, yeah, what kind of environment is my child going into? And you, you can't expect that your child is going to be, you know, the, the, the golden child and put on a pedestal and treated, you know, like, like uh, better than anyone else, but you want them in an environment where you feel like they're going to be, um, I guess, safe and, and secure and, and flour, be able to flourish. Um, and you also have to weigh, you know, where is this does your child want to go away? Are they ambitious or, or, or I guess, adventurous to travel, uh, things like that. But yeah, you want them to be um, mentored by, by coaches, mentored by the staff um, and, and be in an environment that, 
the, you know, they're not going to be um, kind of the oddball out or, or feel uh, awkward or not accepted. I guess you worry about that, you know, certainly, I guess, with our daughter. Uh, we have a 19-year-old son who's being recruited as well. Um, not heavily, I guess, as much, but he's going to land. I think he'll land on a D1 program here. Um, and it's, you know, similar things. You want what's best. You, you know, another thing you sometimes say to a, a player is imagine you weren't going to play hockey anymore. What if, what if you had a career-ending injury or, I don't know, the coaching staff changed and you were on the outs with – uh, it's your junior year and you're not playing anymore and you're going to ride it out, I guess, maybe, or maybe you're not, maybe you're going to quit hockey your junior year because the coach doesn't going to, isn't going to play you. Um, are you in an environment? Are you at a school that you would love to be at if hockey didn't exist for you? I think that's another way to look at it. Interesting. Now with your daughter going through this whole process, when did you start to realize that there was something there for her athletically. How old was she when you know you you said earlier us when we were talking, you started to realize when you were in high school and everything that, you know, but when did you start to look at her and say, hmm, there's something here. I really have to kind of help her and guide her in this process. You know, I think probably when they're like U12, they're, you know, 12, 13, um, and they're standing out, at least at, in the Minnesota leagues, uh, probably thought you know, hockey, college hockey for her might be a possibility if she wants to, you know, you never know. You never know if at 15, 16 or 17, they Big take changes. a left turn on. Yeah. They, <laughs> all of a sudden they're like, I don't really like wearing the stinky equipment, but um, for Hannah, our daughter, you know, two brothers. Uh, I think part of it is it, it drove, it's driven her social life. All of her friends, not all of her, I should say she's pretty good at having non-hockey friends too, but um, you know, a lot of her greatest experiences and, and really great friendships have happened because of hockey. Um, and now I think, you know, the fact that she chose Harvard uh, she's, she's sort of, a, you know, she's smart. She's don't get me wrong. She, I don't think she's gotten a B yet, but um, <laughs> you just don't get into Harvard very no, it's, easily. It's a very, I, we had Keith Elaine on from Yale and he talked about how he has to eliminate 80% of the country and, and the recruitment yeah. process because the grades are just, they're so vital yeah. to the success of your program. Yeah. So, you know, now you have an opportunity to go to Harvard, not that, you know, going to Harvard makes your life, you know, perfect or, or, or whatever, but it's an opportunity that, you know, hockey has sort of helped her present to her. And like I said, she wants to go to Boston. Um, I think she, she fell in love with the, the, the program. Katie Stone's been there for 20 years. The culture is ingrained. Um, you know, whether she stays there the whole time, Hannah's there or not, don't know, but I don't think, I don't think that matters because I think that what we've seen there is it's such a really, um, I think supportive type of environment and culture that they have there. And like I said, opportunity to go to Harvard and study there and live in Boston and, and, and be away from, from the Midwest is, is something that's going to help her develop as a, as a young woman. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of how we looked at it. And, um, you know, she thought about some other programs and it's weird because she was at that age getting recruited when you still could get recruited at a really young age. And, um, she was, you know, 15 years old taking calls from coaches and it probably helped her 
mature a little bit too. We were like, Hey, do you want us on the other line? And she'd like, no, no, I can do it. I can handle it. So she's always been, um, I think ambitious or, or adventurous and it's just worked out really well for her. And, and she's, you know, I, I guess I have a little bit of my genes, my hockey background, my wife is 5'11", so she got some of that height. So physically, there was some of that too. She's always been um, a little taller with skill. I, I, you know, I think that probably makes her stand out as a, as a you know, rec recruit prospect. Um, made varsity at Edina as a freshman, um, which doesn't happen a lot. It, it, it happens, but it's, it's not super common. So um, all things were just kind of, you know, falling into place for her. Now, did she ever come to you for advice or did the boys come to you for advice on different things athletically? Did they say to you, Hey dad, how'd you handle this situation? Or when you played high school or you played this, what did you do in this situation? No, no, not openly like that. And I, you know, I've had to, you know, temper cause I have a lot of ideas, a lot of suggestions, but you got to bite your tongue and, and they do, they do start to listen. I think, um, at some point, uh, they recognize that what I'm, you know, what I have to offer is, is probably pretty valid. I think the only times when they've really wanted to, I think, come to me has been probably after tough losses, you know, um, they, they lose a, a state championship or, you know, lose a big game or get cut from a, from a team. And they just want, you know, they, just, they want you to be dad more than, than hockey dad. Um, but I also have been able to say, Hey, I've been there. I, I got cut from, you know, teams. I got sent to the minors. Um, I've, my career has been, I've been told that I'm no longer good enough. Uh, so I, I feel like I can, I can identify with it. Um, but for them to come to me a lot, or often, not too often where they say, Hey dad, how, what should I do here? What should I do there? I probably beat them to the punch. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Two wrap questions. I always ask, this has been really amazing. What was one piece of advice you were given growing up that you still use today and who gave it to you? You know, the one that comes to my head right now, and, 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 and it's not that big of a deal totally, but Tom Curvers, um, who was a friend of a family friend that I, I was became sort of adopted by this, the May family teammate of mine in high school. Um, it, it, Danny May, the brother was playing with Tom Curvers at Duluth. That's how I got to know all these guys. And I was 17 and getting to skate with these guys. And, and I was practicing with all these NHL guys one summer. And when I was about 18, maybe 19 and Curvers pulled me aside and he said, you don't shoot hard enough. He goes, you're shooting like, you know, a baby or whatever he said. And he, and he, and I just stuck with me. He said, you can, you have to rip it. If you're going to be a player, you know, that you're projected to be, you better start shooting the puck a lot harder. And, and I never forgot that. And maybe it was just more the, the, um, the, the action or, you know, that he pulled me aside and, and gave me the advice. And here he was in the NHL. Um, and, and I was, you know, a wannabe NHLer, and and so that really stuck with me. Um, you know, I had a high school coach that was pretty, um, wasn't a high level hockey guy, but he was a legend in our community. His name was Jim Baxter. You know, some of the things he used to say that 
stick with me today. He'd, he'd yell at us, you know, he's a very Christian man, so he didn't swear, but he'd, he'd say things to us like, if what you did yesterday still looks good to you today, you haven't done much today. And so <laughs> it's like Herb Brooks. Herb had yeah, all those a phrases. Bit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. So that, that, mid kinda, that Midwestern, you know, philosophy on life. Well, it's just work. It's just you got to keep working. You got to keep getting better every day. Um, you know, don't don't get don't get too uh, enamored with you know the headlines that uh, you're reading about yesterday. Um, but you know, I, I was lucky to have a lot of a lot of good coaches, and, and I had some I had some bad coaches. I had some coaches that um, said things to me that I'll never forget either. And, and that's, that's unfortunate because it, it was really negative and it was detrimental and, and, but those stick with you too. So for anyone who, um, either has, you know, is coaching, you have to remember that too. You, you gotta be careful because you're, you know, these players at almost at any age are, you know, are pretty impressionable, um, pretty impressionable. And, and you gotta be careful, uh, what you say to them. So I, you know, I guess those are a couple things, but um, I'd, I'd love to, you know, give tip my hat to, to Tom Curvers for mentoring me. Good guy. What does failure teach you in life? Um, adversity uh, is a huge thing that I think we see these days of, you know, parents and, and at some degree, I'm guilty of it too. Um, but some parents are worse than others that they're just trying to avoid every pitfall for their, for their kid. Um, to fail or get cut from a team. And so they'll move them around or they'll take them from this organization to that organization. And, and they never really, um, you know, they're always managing the, them from, from getting put into a situation of getting cut or failing, I think. And, and, and sometimes it's hard to watch your kid fail and what they have to go through, but you hope that, you know, it teaches them to persevere. Um, it just teaches you that, life is full of adversity and it, it's going to happen to you sooner or later. And, you know, it's, it, it really is how you bounce back, but um, you know, you ask, you, you ask, you know, what does failure teach you? It teaches you how to be resilient. It should anyway, and it should teach you how to um, deal with, deal with failure or deal with adversity, um, you know, to use another, another term. Um, and I think it, 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 it makes you, it makes you stronger, you know, cause it, it, what doesn't kill you uh, only makes you stronger <laughs> if you come back and, and kind of battle through it. Um, and, and it's something that's not probably, I mean, Herb Brooks would purposely make you fail right at times and, and, and good coaches do. I, I watch a lot of videos um, about a lot of coaches and, and the best coaches will challenge their players. And some of the best coaches will um, you know, will intentionally, you know, make a player, it's, you know, break you down, build you back up. So dealing with failure um, really, really does make you more resilient and make you stronger. Well, Tom, I want to thank you for this, these insights, uh, great stories of your time in the NHL and coming up in Minnesota. I'm always fascinated with Minnesota hockey. It's uh, it's a great place and it's the state of hockey. It really is. So it's a special place in the United States for the sport. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We, we, when you get out here, if people haven't ever seen it, if you, if you got to see high school hockey or got to go to college hockey and outdoor hockey, you know, we've got these big pond hockey tournaments and they're and they're in other States too, but no, we got a good thing going here with, with Minnesota hockey. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Inside the game brought to you by flex coach and flex coach VR.